see you all here this morning. My name is Dave Jane. I am the lead pastor here at Connect Church. You've joined us as uh, we're a couple of weeks into a series here that we've called Beyond Ordinary. Beyond Ordinary. We're challenging people to move from ordinary to beyond ordinary. Because the reality is, I think, that probably every one of us would say, you know, um, even since being a child where I dreamed of growing up and being a fighter pilot or a, a ballerina or whatever it was, we, we, we've, we've all got this desire deep down to never settle for ordinary. We want to live extraordinary. We want to live beyond ordinary lives. And that could look very different for every one of us here. But what we're focusing on in this particular series is the idea of relationships. We're looking at our relationships, how we relate to one another. It could be a husband and a wife or a parent and a child. Maybe it's a, a neighbor or a friend. But we're really kind of taking a look at the relationships that every one of us have in our lives, the people we bump up against on a day-to-day -day basis. And we're saying, what would it look like? What would it look like if those relationships went from ordinary to beyond ordinary? What would beyond ordinary relationships look like? So we've been looking at a few aspects of what we think are beyond ordinary relationships. And I was thrilled because last week we, we started off with this idea of encouragement. What would it look like if we were to live a life that was more encouraging to one another, less critical and more encouraging to the people we meet? And I love it when I see this happen because I would see posts on Facebook. People saying, you know what? I actually tried this week. I, I, was, I tried to be encouraging to the lady at Walmart. Oh, see, no one wants ordinary. Look at it. <laughs> That was planned. That was meant to happen. <laughs> I, uh, I tried to be encouraging to the lady at Walmart, and, and it really made a difference. In fact, she looked kind of surprised. She was, you know, like, why are you? Because she's not used to that. And it really does make a difference. There was a verse we looked at last week that was in Proverbs that says, um, when you replenish others, you will be replenished. The idea being when you encourage others, you will be encouraged. And I loved seeing that this week some people were encouraging one another. And they themselves were being encouraged as a result of that. So this morning we're going to go into another relational aspect. And we're going to take a look at what that looks like. Not necessarily as an ordinary idea, but a beyond ordinary idea. And to set the scene for that, I want to tell you a story about... Um, a pastor that I heard of once, and uh, he was a brand new pastor in a new church. They'd, they'd not had a pastor for a while, and uh, they finally found one that they liked, and they invited him in, and uh, he agreed to be their pastor. So he stood up the first Sunday, and he preached this dynamite message. The congregation loved it. I mean, he was just, you know, real fired up, and he was challenging, and everyone left that morning going, that was great. We made the right decision. He's a good pastor. We're glad we chose him. So the following Sunday, they all come back, and they're excited, and he gets up to preach, and he starts preaching, and he's about five, ten minutes into his message, and a few people are kind of turning to one another thinking, this sounds familiar. This, this sounds a lot like the message he preached last week. And he goes on a little bit longer, and uh, they're like, no, this is the message. It doesn't sound like it. This is the message. How embarrassing. He doesn't realize, but he's preaching the same message that he preached last week. So no one mentions it. He's new. They're kind of like, okay, maybe he pulled the wrong notes out of his briefcase and just went for it. Um, week three, up he gets. He's a couple of minutes in, and they're like, okay, this is the same message. This is three weeks running. This isn't just similar. I mean, these aren't some of the same illustrations. This is the exact same message. Now they're turning to one another again. Someone's going to talk to him. So as soon as the message ends, one of the leaders in the church, they quickly pull the pastor aside. They're like, listen, don't want to embarrass you, but I want to catch you before anyone else does. Uh, I don't know if you realize, but the last three weeks, you've preached exactly the same message. And he said, I know. 
and I'm going to keep preaching it until you guys start listening to what I'm saying and live your lives that way. <laughs> and I promise you, I'll never do that <laughs> intentionally. Um, I, you may hear a story more than once. I do like to tell stories, and sometimes when I've got a really good story, I can't remember if I've told it before or not, so I'll just tell it again. So uh, I apologize if some of you know more about my life and my family and my children from the stories I've told. But the idea behind that was that this guy who was saying, listen, I'm going to keep teaching this until the congregation start living out what it is I'm preaching. And the reason I tell you that story is because the subject I want to speak about this morning is actually something that, even though we're only one year old as a church, we've already taught on two times. As I looked back over the last year, I realized this subject has already come up twice in um, two different series that we've done up till now. So I actually found myself questioning whether I should include this in a series on relationships, but it's such a huge part of how we relate to one another that I just couldn't get away from thinking, no, we have to address this. And it's the idea of forgiveness. That's the word we're going to be looking at this week. That's the relational aspect we're going to be looking at this week. Forgiveness. Now, some of you are thinking, I've never heard you speak on forgiveness. That could be because you're new and you weren't here, or it could be because you weren't paying attention the last two times I spoke about it. But either way, it'll be good for all of us to hear this message. And the truth is that even though we may have spoken about forgiveness before, we've never spoken about beyond ordinary forgiveness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's a whole different kind of forgiveness. And actually, joking aside, it kind of is. Because if you'd allow me, I'd like to talk a little bit first about what ordinary forgiveness looks like. Because I think all of us have got a grasp of what we think forgiveness looks like in our relationships with one another. Maybe we've experienced it. Maybe we've seen it take place in our lives. You see, ordinary forgiveness is kind of like what a guy by the name of Peter who was one of the disciples, um, he was talking about when he was talking to Jesus one day. We can read about it in uh, the account of Jesus' life written by a man named Matthew. And if you've got a Bible, you can read this with me. It's in Matthew chapter 18. And Peter's trying to get his head around this whole idea of forgiveness. So he goes to Jesus, and um, you'll have to uh, go with me here a little bit, because I like to try and picture how this scene played out. So I've got an idea in my head of what it looked like. So the Bible doesn't specifically say this is how it played out, but in my mind, I picture Jesus, Peter going up to Jesus. I picture a crowd of people being there, and in his loudest voice, it says, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No. Jesus replied, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. You see, I actually think that Peter was kind of showing off a little bit here when he asked Jesus this question. Because the reality is that all the disciples, they would have spent enough time with Jesus by now to know that you should forgive. Forgiveness wasn't a question. They knew that you should forgive. What they were trying to figure out was how many times. Because in that day, there would have been rabbis, teachers of the law, um, spiritual men, who'd come up with this idea, and it's not found in the Bible. They just came up with a lot of rules and regulations of what, how you should live your life. They'd come up with a rule that three times was the appropriate number of times that you should forgive someone who's wronged you. So that was what the rabbis of the day were teaching, that three times was how many times you should forgive someone. So Peter, he's, I think he's kind of showing off a little bit here, because not only has he doubled that number, he's added one. 
He's like seven. That's like a, a godly number. So I, I wonder, and, and I picture this playing out several different ways. I wonder if he was saying it loudly for others to see here so that they could see how spiritually he was. Hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven? Huh? Seven times. Yeah, not three, not six, seven. Or maybe, maybe Peter was having issues with another disciple. Maybe James had sat next to Jesus during a meal again, even after Peter recalled shotgun. Peter had said, hey, man, it was my turn to sit next to Jesus. You always, it's always you and John sitting next to Jesus. And James was like, I'm sorry, I forgot. Please forgive me. And he had, and he'd kept count. And now he was up to six, and he was ready to take some action. Hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Because I'm at six right now, and I'm ready to... Maybe he was saying it for the benefit of another disciple. Have you parents ever heard a question like this? I often hear from one of my kids, Mom, are we allowed to watch screens before breakfast? I know he doesn't really want to know the answer to that question. He's asking, are we allowed to watch screens before breakfast? Because someone right now is watching screens before breakfast, and he wants to see them get in trouble. So he's like, Mom, Mom, just remind me what the... <laughs> So maybe at this point, someone, one of the disciples, hasn't been doing a great job on forgiveness. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Say it loudly. I want this guy over here to hear. <laughs> but whatever the context of the conversation, I don't think Peter was expecting the response he got from Jesus. Because Jesus said, hey, listen, it's not seven, but 70 times seven. And if you're taking notes here this morning, you've already got your calculator out, and you've written down 490, listen, you're missing it. He wasn't saying, no, there is an exact number. He was saying, no, listen, you just keep on forgiving. It's not seven. It's not even 70 times seven. You just forgive and forgive and forgive. Because you see, Peter, when he was talking about this forgiveness, he was talking about what I think of sometimes as ordinary forgiveness. Ordinary forgiveness is when someone admits they were wrong and asks you, to forgive them. Ordinary forgiveness is, is what you hope you'll receive when you realize you've done something wrong and you own up to it. I think ordinary forgiveness is a big deal, whether you're on the receiving end or the giving end. And I don't want to downplay the idea of, of ordinary here, because odds are there's someone here this morning that needs ordinary forgiveness. Ordinary forgiveness, in my mind, is the true apology. It's when someone's done something wrong, they know it, they say sorry, and then they say, will you forgive me? And I think this is the kind of forgiveness Peter was addressing. He'd seen this happen. He'd seen the people genuinely um, say, I'm sorry for what I've done. And he's saying, listen, I understand that in that instance I should forgive that person, but, but how many times before I can say no? And Jesus was saying, listen, there's no limit to how many times you to forgive the person who apologizes. If they ask you to forgive them, you are to forgive and the reality is here this morning, just as much for us today as it was for the disciples back there, ordinary forgiveness is crucial to any relationship. Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, parent, child, workmate, colleague, neighbor, wherever you find yourself today, ordinary forgiveness is crucial in every relationship we find ourselves in. Because I don't know about you, but if we're going to be friends long enough, at some point I'm going to mess up. I'm going to hurt you or I'm going to let you down. And the reality is that every one of us could say that today. So if I want my relationships to last, I'm going to need some ordinary forgiveness in my life. In fact, 
I want to talk about beyond ordinary forgiveness this morning in just a second. But before we do, I, I even want to just pause here for a second because I, I want to address this idea of ordinary forgiveness. Because I, I believe that even right now there are some of you that are thinking about something, thinking, you know what, I do need to, to forgive that person. I do need to ask that person to forgive me. Maybe it was a verbal sparring match with your spouse on the way here this morning. Maybe you're driving in the car. It starts at 9.30. No, it starts at 10. I'm telling you, today's the day it starts at 9.30. And you're sitting there right now thinking, yeah, I should probably apologize for that. Maybe it's someone you need to address that elephant in the room with and just say the words, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. So before we move on, I want to take just a moment here in the service. And I want to ask you that question. Is there a relationship right now? that you need to put some ordinary forgiveness into play. Maybe someone needs to go to you and say, hey, I'm sorry about that. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to just say a prayer here. And as I'm praying, I'm going to ask that God, you know, maybe speak to you, maybe drop a thought into your heart. It could be a name. It could be a situation. And, and maybe you'll think, yeah, I, I, I need to do something about that. So God, we, we've kind of laughed a little bit thinking about that dialogue between Peter and, and you. But the reality was, Lord, that you were using that moment to teach Peter a very important lesson that wasn't just for Peter, it was for us today. We can't put a, a number on it, Lord. We just have to live lives of being willing to forgive others when they do wrong to us. That's, that's what ordinary forgiveness looks like. And maybe right now, there's someone who's asked us, who's, who said, sorry, we need to, to forgive them. Maybe there's someone we need to go back to, and we've been stubborn here, Lord, and we just need to go back and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong there, will you forgive me? And if there's someone here this morning that there's just a name right now dropping into their, into their mind as I pray, I pray, Lord, that wouldn't just end here, that they would do something about that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you might need to pull out the notes app on your phone or write down on the card that was on your chair and write that name down just to remind yourself, you know what? Right now, I feel like it's the right thing to do. I know when I get home, have lunch, and start thinking about it, I'm going to start questioning that decision. So make the decision now and follow through with it this afternoon. But here's where I want to spend a little bit more time this morning, if I could. Because we've talked about ordinary forgiveness. And for some, I realize even ordinary forgiveness can be tricky. For others, you're like, Dave, I've nailed it. I've, I've got this down. Ever since you preached it last time, I've been saying sorry, I've been forgiving, and now you're going to raise the bar on me? What's this about? But the reality is that for some of us, and especially if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you know, maybe you're visiting this morning, you've never made that decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to really kind of be what we call here a, a follower of Jesus, a Christ follower. And that's, that's okay. We, we love it that you come and we want you to keep coming. And I actually think that even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there are some principles this morning that will help you in your life with regards to this idea of forgiveness. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I don't think this is up for discussion. I think this is pretty clear what the Bible teaches about in this particular area. It's going to be hard for some of us, but I want to just frame that this morning with the idea that this is, this is not just a good idea. This is something that, that God, who knows us better than we know ourselves, has put into the Scriptures to teach us because he knows what's best for us. Even though this is going to be difficult for some of us this morning to hear this, when we start looking at the idea of beyond ordinary forgiveness, for some of us it's going to rub the wrong way and think, I'm not sure I want to do that. But listen, God who loves you dearly, even though you think this might be tough, knows that this is the very best thing for you. So let's talk about beyond ordinary forgiveness. What do we do when we want to engage in forgiveness 
but the situation is more complicated. So I'm talking about when someone has done something and they either deny it or they feel no remorse about it or you have no idea even where they're at with it. How do you forgive that person? Or what if someone has hurt you and has apologized, but the pain and the hurt is so deep that the apology didn't even register? Or what if it's a situation that can't seem to be resolved but that, because that person, they're not even around anymore? What do we do in those situations where ordinary forgiveness doesn't seem possible? What do we do when it's not nice and neat? Here's the best way this morning to know if you're in a beyond ordinary forgiveness situation. When I say the following two words, who comes to mind? So I'm going to say two words here in a second. And if a, a name or a person or an individual comes to mind, that's what we're talking about with beyond ordinary forgiveness. The two words are can't forgive. Can't forgive. If I say those two words this morning, can't forgive, does a name drop into your mind? Is there a situation or a, something that happened that just immediately has popped into your mind? And maybe you should keep your eyes on me this morning. Keep looking this way just in case the can't forgive person is sat next to you. We're just trying to <laughs> keep it this way right now. But seriously, when I say can't forgive, who comes to mind? And listen, before we address the idea of can't forgive this morning, can we just start by acknowledging that this is a problem? Some of you are like, hey, don't, I, I don't want to take this away. But let, let's have a look at can't forgive for what it really is. You see, can't forgive doesn't come without a cost. Can't forgive inevitably comes with a price tag. That price tag is harboring resentments. It's not just a choice we make and move on with life. It's, it, it affects every one of us. And that resentment, I've come to discover, is like, it's like hydrochloric acid. It eats away and corrodes our hearts. The human heart is not a container that can hold the acid of bitterness because it will eat right through it. Resentment gives wrongdoing and wrongs done a place of power in our lives. And that's, that, that's not a good kind of power. You know, I've known people, and maybe you have too, that have literally become bent and changed over time because of resentment. Because ultimately, that resentment can change who you are. It can change who we are. It can have a negative impact on all of the relationships in our lives. So hopefully, by now, we're at least on the same page in refusing to accept that there's anyone in our lives, whether it be past, present, or future, that we should be okay with can't forgive because of the negative impact it has on us. And when there are people in our lives in the can't forgive category, we need to realize that it's beyond ordinary forgiveness that we're going to need. That's what's needed. And if you're a, a follower of Jesus here this morning, I honestly believe that beyond ordinary forgiveness can become available to you. And it can help you have a beyond ordinary life. Because I think that God says to anybody in a can't forgive situation some very seemingly simple words. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossians in Colossians 3 13. We'll read this. It's up on the screens. It's real simple. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I wish I could give you a much more complex, in-depth, um, spiritual, theological uh, reason here for forgiving, but it's, it's real simple. It almost seems too simple, but I believe that God has put this in the Scriptures because the simplicity of this phrase, of this phrase can be hidden from the profound truth that can be found in it. It's saying, what this is saying, forgive as the Lord forgave you, it's saying that we can find the power and the ability to forgive someone that we can't otherwise forgive. When I read this, it's saying to me, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That means that there is a power that I can tap into, a power, God, who's already forgiven me, and that same God wants to give me the strength and the courage and the ability to forgive that individual that right now in my mind, I can't get away from the thought of can't forgive. It's saying forgive, not because they're sorry or because they know they were wrong or because they didn't mean to or whatever. No, that's, that's ordinary forgiveness. This is saying forgive the person you can't forgive, not because of them, but because of and by the power of your relationship with the God who forgave you. You know, it's really hard to wrap your head around this sometimes, especially if you're in the middle of it. So I want to take you to a story that I read recently that was amazing. It was written by an author by the name of Malcolm Gladwell. Now, Malcolm Gladwell, he's rather an odd-looking guy. You're going to see him pop up on the screen here. But actually, if you've ever heard him speak, he's incredible. And he's written several books that I've read that are great books, um, Blink and uh, Tipping Point, some others. But most recently, he wrote a book called David and Goliath. And it's an amazing book, and you'd think by the title that this guy is a Christ follower, but he's not. Despite growing up in a religious home, um, despite the fact that both his brothers are devout Christians, that one of his brothers is married to a Mennonite pastor, he himself had fallen away from his faith. And he talks about this in an article that he wrote recently in a Christian magazine, a magazine called Relevant Magazine. And the title of this article was, How I Discovered Faith. And he talks about the time just recently that he was working on his newest book. It's called David and Goliath. And in his research for this book, he was meeting with people who have overcome huge obstacles and, and overcome difficult challenges, just like David did when he overcame Goliath. So he was looking at history and modern day and all sorts of different situations where people had overcome great things, odds stacked against them. And, and in the process of this research, it brought him to a lady by the name of Wilma Dirksen. Wilma Dirksen and her husband lived in Canada. And here's a direct quote from the article. Malcolm Gladwell says that 30 years ago, her teenage daughter Candace had disappeared on her way home from school. The city had launched the largest manhunt in its history, and after a week, Candace's body was found a quarter of a mile from the Dirksen's house. Her hands and feet had been bound. Wilma and her husband, Cliff, were called into the local police station, and they were told the news. Candace's funeral was the next day, and it was followed shortly after by a huge press conference. Virtually every news outlet was there because Candace's disappearance had gripped the city. How do you feel about whoever did this to Candace, a reporter asked the Dirksons. We would like to know who the person or persons are so we could share, hopefully, a love that seems to be missing in these people's lives, Cliff, the father, said. Wilma, the mum, went on next. Our main concern was to find Candace, 
we found her. She went on, I can't say at this point, I forgive this person. But the stress was on the phrase, at this point. She said, we've all done something dreadful in our lives or have felt the urge to. Gladwell writes, I wanted to know whether Dirksons found the strength to say those things. A sexual predator had kidnapped and murdered their daughter, and Cliff Dirksen could talk about sharing his love with the killer, and Wilma could stand up and say, we've all done something dreadful in our lives or have felt the urge to. He says, where do two people find the power to forgive in a moment like that? As I said earlier, Gladwell had fallen from his faith he'd grown up around. When trying to explain why, he said, I've always believed in God. I've grasped the logic of Christian faith. What I have a hard time with is, is seeing God's power in the world in which I live. He says all that changed when he interviewed them for his book. He interviewed them in their backyards, and he writes, Something happened to me when I sat in Wilma Dirksen's garden. It is one thing to read in a history book about people empowered by their faith, but it's quite another to meet an otherwise very ordinary person in the backyard of a very ordinary house who has managed to do something utterly extraordinary. Their daughter was murdered, and the first thing the Dirksons did was to stand up at the press conference and talk about the path to forgiveness. The truth is, I doubt that any of us here this morning have anything we need to forgive that is greater than that. And here's someone, Malcolm Gladwell, who had little or no interest in the things of God, being profoundly changed by the extraordinary forgiveness he witnessed. I think there's just something in all of us that's inspired when we hear the impact that those people's relationship with God could have on others. I mentioned that story and the impact on Gladwell because it started with someone who heard the words, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And those words were applied to their lives and they've changed everything. Gladwell tells of how the Dixons are Christ followers and how it's their faith in Jesus that makes it possible for them to not be eaten up with bitterness and want to forgive the person who did what was done to their daughter. You see, when we look at how God forgave us, I think that's a picture, that's an example of extraordinary forgiveness. Listen to what Paul says when he's writing to the church in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19. It's quite a complex verse, but I'm going to try and break it down if I can for you afterwards. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Basically, what they're saying is Christ has chosen to not count our sins against us. Christ has chosen to not count the wrong we do. Think about that. Think about all the things that you've done that you are not proud of. These are things that are detestable to God. He's perfect and they make him sick. The truth is we all have this debt that needs to be paid because of the wrong that we've done. The only way to pay it was with our death. But what that verse is saying there is that God wants to be reconciled to us so much that he chooses to not count the wrong we've done against us. Instead, he forgives us of our debt. This brings all this into context. Forgive as God forgave you. How long will we hold on to that, that sin, that wrongdoing that's hurt us, damaged us? 
beyond ordinary forgiveness is letting go of the wrongs that were done to us, no longer counting them against that person, even if they're not a willing participant. It is forgiving the debt that they owe us just as Jesus forgave us. And listen, I know this is incredibly difficult. It's a a difficult talk for a lot of us here this morning. That's why it's called Beyond Ordinary Forgiveness. It's not as simple, I'm sorry, I forgive you. This is is some big things for some of us in this room. So I want to give you some practical steps. If this is a situation you're in this morning, if if there is a person in your mind right now with those, those words of can't forgive above their heads, I want you to look at these three simple steps that you can take this morning. If you're challenged and inspired and think, I want to be able to forgive as God forgave me, then here are three steps that you can try and you can say, God, I need your help here, but I'm going to work through these three practical steps. The first step here this morning, and, and, and I found these from somewhere else. I think they're great. I'd love to take credit for these. I can't. So the first step is identify who you're angry with. This is probably going to be the easiest step for you this morning. Because you know exactly who that person is. In fact, already their name has been, has been pounding in your head since we brought this up. So I'd suggest maybe you write that person's name down. Maybe you, you jot it down here this morning and say, okay, I know who this person is. Now here's the second step, and this will be a little bit trickier. The second step is you need to determine what it is they owe you. You can't really forgive a debt. If, if you leave here today saying, yeah, I should forgive that person, it's not really fair to say, I'm going to forgive that person. If you don't fully understand what it is you're forgiving, what the debt is that you are forgiving. So this is where you have to spend a little bit of time. What is it that they owe me? What did they take from me? What did they rob from you? What is it that will never be a part of your life because of them? What is their debt? Maybe they took your childhood. Maybe they stole your reputation. Maybe they robbed income. Maybe they hijacked your marriage. What is the debt they owe you? And write that down as well. Maybe this is something you do this afternoon after lunch. Just take some time and write the name and then write down what that debt is that person owes you. There may be multiple things you have to do. But take this very practical step. Because it's very hard to cancel a debt that you've not fully recognized. And then step three, this is the final step. You've got to say, I'm going to decide to cancel that debt. And as strange as this might sound, I'm going to encourage you to to create some sort of event. So you've written down the name of the person. You've written down what it is, the the debt that they owe you. You've written down that on a card. Do something with that. Maybe you're going to go out in the backyard and you're going to bury it. Maybe you're going to get some matches and you're going to set fire to it. Maybe you're going to flush it down the toilet. Whatever you need to do to to physically say, I've got to let this go. I've got to get rid of this. And that might sound ridiculous, but I'm telling you, the physical act of doing this will help you come to terms with it. Because you're making that decision to cancel those debts. The debts are gone. Sadly, the memories won't be gone. I wish they could be. I wish that, that that act would take away the memories as well, but they will keep coming up. Forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. So when those memories come up again, it's a reminder for us to refocus our attention from the one who owed us the debt to the one who canceled our debt. And as I close out this morning, I know that for some, this is still something that you're wrestling with. You may still not yet be convinced this is possible. Even if you are willing to say, Dave, I know it's like an acid. I know that resentment is eating me up, but I'm just not ready to let that go. Can I just share one final thought with you this morning? Let's be honest. If the the people you're angry with actually came to you, 
If they acknowledged their wrongdoing and they owned their responsibility, they begged for your forgiveness. Even if they were to do all of this, isn't it true that they still couldn't repay their debt? They couldn't give you back those years. They couldn't give you back that reputation. They couldn't give you back that relationship. They couldn't give you back all those nights that you didn't have with your kids. I mean, the people that you are angry with They can't pay you back anyways. So when we find ourselves in a place um, where we say, I can't forgive, we find ourselves holding a debt over the head of a person that could never be repaid anyway. We can hold on to that debt. We can justify our reasons why we should do that. But at the end of the day, we will be the ones that are crushed under the weight of that debt. There will never be freedom until we find the path of forgiveness, not just ordinary forgiveness, but beyond ordinary forgiveness. I think that's the only way that we're going to find that freedom. The only way to become a person that extends beyond ordinary forgiveness is for someone to recognize that they've experienced extraordinary forgiveness themselves. You know, some of us this morning, if we've made a decision to follow Jesus, we need to remember, man, we've experienced some extraordinary forgiveness in our lives. We forget sometimes what the bad things that we have done look like to a holy God. And yet God chose to cancel that debt at the cost of his own son, Jesus. His love for us was so great that he sent Jesus to cancel that debt for us. So sometimes we need to look at the debt that is owed us and think, you know, someone, the Lord forgave. I want to forgive as the Lord forgave me. Like I said, real simple verse, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But so much truth packed in that verse. And I'm going to pray right now because the reality is for some of us here this morning, I, I believe this may not talk to everyone, but there could be a few people here this morning. This has been a really difficult message to listen to. And the reality is, just going out and saying, I'm going to do that, isn't reality. It's like, God, I know I should do that, but I'm going to need your help to do that. So I want to pray for you this morning. If you wrote a name down this morning under that title, Can't Forgive, I'm going to say, God, would you help these people here this morning forgive as you forgave them? Father, you know, forgiveness is a tough topic to talk about, but like I said, I've, I've spoken about this a couple of times, Lord, and I just believe it's one that we, we have to keep coming back to time and time again, because the reality is, Lord, you've forgiven us. We should forgive as you've forgiven us. And even if it were not for that reason, Lord, some of us are living in pain and misery and resentment because we can't let go of that debt that we feel we are owed, the debt for what was taken from us because of that, that, that situation. The words can't forgive now apply to that person in our lives. But the reality is, Lord, it's doing more harm to us than anyone else. It's even affecting other relationships. So help us, Lord, because we can't do it in our own strength, Lord. We want the power. We want to find that kind of strength in you, Lord, that that family in Canada, the Dirksons, that they found to be able to forgive because we don't want it to destroy our lives anymore. So I pray that you would help any here this morning that find themselves in that place. In the name of Jesus, amen.